This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Are you a veteran who served in combat after the Gulf War and was discharged between September 11, 2001 and October 1, 2013? If so, you may be eligible to apply for PACT Act benefits during a special enrollment period that ends on September 30, 2023. The PACT Act expands benefits and care for veterans exposed to burn pits, toxins, Agent Orange, radiation, and other environmental hazards while serving. Act fast. Even if you applied before and weren't eligible, you may be eligible now. The deadline to apply is September 30th. For more information, go to va.gov pact. That's va.gov pact. challenge. So once again, welcome to a wonderful Tuesday evening where my guest is my very special friend, Marine veteran advocate and all around beautiful person, Kara Martin. Welcome to the show. Thank I need you one of those same sound things that has like the applause. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I need to raise the volume on here because it's a little too low in here tonight. All right. How you doing? How you feel? I'm good. I'm doing better. <laughs> good. Day. Yeah. Well, always like look one day at a time. We have we all have good days and bad days, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Uh, it, it's hard. It's hard being mom and wife, and uh, you know having to work, and um, you're a dog mommy, and you know you have all kinds of things going on. Yes. So tell everyone about yourself. Uh, my name is Carolyn Martin. I go by Kara. Um, I am a Marine Corps veteran, as Kristen introduced me. Um, I served in the Marine Corps from 2007 to 2012. Um, I did one combat tour in Afghanistan. I have been married to my amazing husband, Trevor, for 10 years now, <laughs> a whole decade. <laughs> um, I am a mom of two Irish twins. They are seven and eight. Um, I do have two chocolate labs, English chocolate labs, Chanel, and then my service dog um, in training, Clyde, um, who replaced the late service dog, Coco. Oh, um, I am an advocate. I do a lot of stuff in the DFW area and nationwide for veterans. Um, I'm really active in the DFW area with other veteran nonprofits. Um, I'm a, I have a master's in social work. I'm also a cosmetologist. And then I also coach baseball with a nonprofit, a local nonprofit youth baseball. So I coach my son and all those boys. Um, boys. So, um, I guess 
least and definitely not, you know, um, not, or not last, I guess I'll think of different things, but um, I kind of started my tiptoeing journey in like pageants, which is how you and I met um, <laughs> with Miss Veteran America. And then um, I finally, I, I switched over to Royal Productions pageants and I won a national title at the end of June or technically July 1st. Um, I took Miss America Select Veteran of 2023, 2024. <laughs> yeah, you got, so people who don't know um so the long story short is karen and i met during uh, miss veteran america 2020 um and there's a very small group of us who have still remained friends and you've now got a, a crown and shelly's got a crown and mary ann's got a crown now layla's got a crown so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so which is really amazing uh and i think cheering other women on is really something that um we really need to spread the word on because I found that for some reason there's some, and I don't know how to explain it, women feel like they're always in competition with each other. And mm -hmm. there's not a lot of, you know, let me help you adjust your crown and move forward and help you. And there's just a lot of competition. I just can't stand it. So I love our little group of women that we are just always cheering each other on, even though we don't talk all the time. We're always texting and messaging and things and cheering each other on to keep encouraging each other because that is so hugely important. And I think it's even more important in the women veteran community. Uh, agree or disagree? Agree. Absolutely. Agree. I, I mean, I found, um, you know, in our group, there's only one other Marine, but a lot of times there's not any other female Marines on top of that. So it's like, you, you think about being the few and then you think of the fewer. And so as female veterans, we are the few. And as a coming into the civilian world of it, we're still a veteran. We still identify and look for that camaraderie. And where myself personally, I'm very empowering and fix your crown and lift you up um, and just like will kill you with kindness. We don't always get that. And so I'm grateful that even though we had COVID and all this other stuff that we have our small group, and we continue to empower each other from literally East Coast, to West Coast, North to South at this point, because all of us are placed everywhere. And it's yeah. important to continue to advocate for that. So I know that every pageant system is different and everybody has their opinions on the different pageant systems and how they run. But this is something I also found here in following Shelly and Layla at the same time is that it's a like a whole week of just women with different platforms and different things. And it's just 100 percent empowering and i do have my sausage in my it's in my lap i just haven't i just didn't i didn't, I didn't like throw it on i guess i could i like um transformed yeah there we go um the crown is a little much for me to wear like on a regular basis to this whole thing it is i do have it behind me and but it is um it is beautiful and i love like the green color and stuff i guess it was just kind of sitting in my lap so yeah, I, I'm a little jealous. I'm like, well, I need, we're all like most of us women are like, oh, shiny things. And, yes. um, you know, it's hard. My mom bought me a crown um, before, right before Miss Better in America. She's like, win or, win or lose, you're still, you know, you're still a winner to us. So she bought me a little crown that I have. It's metal. It's actually heavy. <laughs> yes, they're very heavy. They're very heavy. Um, and there's a lot, even with mine, it's like adjustable, but when you adjust down, like you still got to make sure you like mechanically make it there <laughs> and then pick the hairstyle to, to go, to go with that. So, and so for people who don't know, um, don't know you DFW is Dalworth area. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, 
I, I, so I just moved to Florida for people who don't know it. I'm still learning certain parts of Florida, but DFW, I know I have flown through DFW. Um, that is a humongous airport. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Uh, but I do like what they have that I haven't seen anywhere else is they actually have CPR machines in the airport and you can actually practice and learn CPR while you're hanging around in the airport. I'm like, well, how cool is that? <laughs> I just hope that you're practicing it correctly. Cause I mean, if you just decide Correct. to practice. Yeah. Don't, me, don't practice it incorrectly. Cause otherwise then it's just not going to be good. Right. Yeah. For me, um, Dallas Worth was one of the first ones that had a area for your service dog to, dog to go to the bathroom in. Um, and then that, so that was cool too. Like they, they are pretty innovative in their, and they're building a whole nother terminal. Wow. That airport is already big enough as it is. It's been yeah. like Denver's really big. Philadelphia's really big. Yikes. Uh, we just keep adding on. I hear Orlando is expanding too. It's just, I don't know. It's, travel is great. Uh, but I'm yeah. hitting that point where I just try. I, I want to travel and I don't. <laughs> right, right. I Trust me, I know. Um, so tell us about, like, so how old were you when you joined the Marines and what made you join? Um, I was 17. Um, I had a really traumatic childhood um, that included, but not limited to emotional abuse, physical abuse, neglect, sexual abuse. So I graduated a year early out of the high school that I graduated from in Corsicana, Texas, and then um, decided to join. I mean, I was only 17. I was able to get my biological mother and biological father to sign. Um, and then I, I left in January, 2007. Um, and I honestly never, never looked back. Um, obviously I'm back in Texas now that has to do with my husband's family, not me. Um, but I, I did, it was, it was almost a way of survival. I mean, I was ultimately homeless by that point. Um, my mom tried to kill me twice. Um, I have, you know, family members that are registered sex offenders. Um, and I'm a victim of that. I endured just, a lot more than anybody should ever endure, especially a child. So that was my hope at the time was that I would make it out of that town um, and survive. And I did, but I also met in the military. What I'll, unfortunately a lot of females and males endure, um, endure is, is sexual harassment and, and sexual trauma there as well. Um, but I wouldn't, it didn't like change it changed me, but it didn't like break me, I guess. It really has made me who I am. And I'm so very honored to have served in the Marine Corps and, and done everything that I've done during that time. But ultimately, that's why I decided um, I had re-enlisted. Um, it was approved. And I just one more thing happened. And I decided to walk away and that I needed to do something different. I didn't want to continue to live that type of life. Now, what did you do while you were in the Marine Corps? I was an aviation hydraulic structural mechanic, which is also known as ground support equipment. Um, so for the civilian um, layman's terms is all the ground support equipment that attaches to aircraft, whether it was fixed wings like jets or um, rotoring like helicopters. I worked on that equipment and specialized in hydraulics. Did you like it? I loved it. I definitely <laughs> was very much a mechanical like drag racing just engines i mean i'm i have a lot of tattoos and one of my tattoos is a set of pistons on my ribs like i love i just loved that of it and i definitely miss there's times i miss it that's for sure <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny because i you know i've got 12 years in the nurse corps reserves and i keep you know counting down and 
you know, Cliff and I talk about, you know, I got eight years left. What am I going to do when I get out? And I keep saying that I want to get out because it's part of me that feels as though I'm I'm going to miss it and still going to have a hard time getting out, even though that's I'm, I know in eight years time, I'm definitely going to be ready to give up that part of my life and gain some things back. But there's also I'm like, all right, so what am I going to do? I'm actually more like excited about my because I'm in the nurse corps. I have to maintain clinical bedside skills. And I, you know, we talked about the pandemic, you know, a few minutes ago, just the pandemic is one of those things that like, I'm glad that I met all of you guys, but from a nursing perspective, it jacked me up. And I'm like, I yeah. just, I really want to get out of nursing. So <laughs> for yeah. me, it's the get out of the Navy so I can get out of nursing and go find something else. To do. Right, right. Uh, you know, much like yourself, you know, you just mentioned that you loved your job. I loved being a nurse until the pandemic. And now I'm like, I need to do, can I just go put up drywall? Yeah, <laughs> that's a huge change. I know, but I know makes fun of me all the time. I was like, you want to put up drywall? I'm like, I do. I want to be able to like construct something and stand back and be like, behold, look what I have accomplished. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I say that and I got out and three days after I was like officially discharged from the Marine Corps, I went to, I started cosmetology school. So I did like, the whole 180 as as well in San Diego. And it just, I mean, I loved it because I couldn't imagine if I didn't have that knowledge now. It's so tomboyish and so like, I don't, it, like it was bad. <laughs> like the only mascara I wore was grease on my face, I guess. Like, so. Um, so what, was that, what was that program like? Like how long was it? Did you specialize in like, do you have, or do you have to specialize in something or? Um, so since I went to school in California at the time, it was one of the states that had the most hours. So it takes about a year to get through there. It was 1600. Yeah. 1600 hours of cosmetology. You as a cosmetologist, you kind of do the all around um, learning everything, uh, nails, facials, hair. But I, I specifically, they really hammer in because for like state board purposes, um, coloring, perms, um, relaxers. And then we did that school San Diego, the schools or Paul Mitchell, the school San Diego really did hammer in a lot of like gave us extra stuff. Like we got to learn um, special effects with Halloween stuff or bridal makeup and airbrushing and extensions. And so I always did like all the extra stuff um, and just really kind of all around. The only thing I never as an esthetician that was not really like dug deep too deep into is if that makes sense. Um but it was it was good. It was interesting to go from the Marine Corps to <laughs> 300 plus women in a school in SoCal, you know, in Southern California, yeah. where everybody is like, OMG. And just but there was other there was other veterans that decided to do the same thing. And at the time, that was the only school that the GI Bill paid for. So um, I did make a lot of connections and a lot of friends, lifelong you know, friendships there, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that must have been culture shock for you. You spent, you know, you said seven to two, you spent five years in the Marine Corps wearing boots and youths. And now you have to go, not have to, but you made a decision to go back to school into an environment where, and especially in Southern California, where everybody is like beautiful all the time and, you yeah. know, very plastic and dressed as nice. So I'm sure that must have been a shock to you. <laughs> yeah, well, we had to wear all black. And then we also had to always have our hair and makeup done. And I remember, I will never forget, like, doing my makeup for the first time. There's like, <laughs> it's so embarrassing. And I probably should probably like find the pictures like, no, like my buff when I started cosmetology versus when I finished. 
it's a completely different person. <laughs> so oh, I, bet, I bet that those are fun pictures though. Yeah, it yeah, was. I, I'm still like that. I'm, I'm, you know, struggling to do the makeup and I watch women like put their own lashes on and I can barely put my own mascara and eyeshadow on, let alone even attempt to put, and I was going to do it, but I was going to try it. I bought yes. some and they were like the water one, just wet them and I still, I was like, ah, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do yeah, it. And I don't have like a hard time with things within like near my eyes. And for a time I was getting them done and I had such a hard time with them being like right by my eyeballs and I couldn't see and like the was, extensions. <laughs> yeah, I had the extensions. Yeah. yeah. It was just I, uh, I can't feel them. <laughs> yeah. I went almost a year without doing them and then put them back on recently. And I'm like, it takes like so much off my plate, I guess, to make, because I feel like I look asleep all the time. So I like them, but I guess I can't, I can't feel them. Like they're just a part, a part of me, but so my nails are the same way. People are like, you coach baseball and your nails are like long. And I'm like, I mean, I don't break them. I just, just make it work. Yeah. I <laughs> just throw a ball. I don't know. Now, now how old are your kids? Your beautiful, adorable little children. They're seven and eight, um, going on eight and nine. Their birthdays are definitely coming up. Um, they are a handful, so. <laughs> and they're very cute. Having met them and Trevor when you guys were up here um, back in June, they they really are um, good kids and they're cute kids and you keep them busy. And so is that how you got involved? Were you coaching baseball before you had kids or you had your kids and then you got involved in the coaching at the baseball? <laughs> I had my kids and then both of them, I think, were four and they started T-ball and um, another veteran. Actually, he's still in the Air Force was like, I was like, I really want to like learn about this. I don't know anything. He's like, come be an assistant coach. And then it just was on from that. And it's, you know, six, six seasons later. And so what ages are the kids that you're coaching? The same age as your kids? You, you yeah, all... so Kalia doesn't um, Kalia doesn't play ball anymore, just Gabriel. So I coach only boys. Well, right now, just coincidentally only had boys. Um, it's considered 8U, which is 8 and under. So all of them are um, – they rate my, the, my specific team right now, my youngest is 5, and then the oldest is – they have one 8-year-old. Um, so anywhere in between that. And I have 11, 11 boys right now. 11 boys. And softball, t-ball – Combination. It, um, so with 8U, it's it's considered it's like a regular baseball, but it is um coach pitch, so that we pitch to them and they and then so then when they go to 10 and under, so two more seasons will go up and it'll be kid pitch. So they'll be like where you get to do the full blown baseball roles. Like right now, it's six pitches, you know, unlimited foul balls kind of deal. And then um, so yeah, it's just it's just, I guess, what we consider coach pitch. Um, and there's some things that you don't, you don't have like strikes and balls yet. You just get six pitches <laughs> and you need well, to. Go, but, but it gives them an opportunity to learn. And I think I like the coach pitch idea better than the T ball because at least you're getting used to like hand eye coordination, right? As opposed to like the T where it's, it's stationary and yes. you're pitching to them. Uh, I've watched baseball over the years, but I never like played softball, baseball. I was always a soccer kid. Uh, my brother and I played soccer and Nichols was never really, my son was never really in the sports and we tried to encourage him when he was younger. And I coached the soccer, which was really fun. And I really loved it, but they were young. They were like yeah. five and they're like, you know, all looking around and, and I'm like, go to the ball, go to the ball. 
Yeah, it's still like that for this age. Yeah, yelling and, and screaming. And there are times like in the spring, it's really competitive for us. We were undefeated. We finished first. We took both championships and we get these like really big, cool rings. But I'm telling you, there was times that I yelled that I think I, I know I lost oxygen. I was like, I'm going down because I was yelling in a good way. Um, but I like that. I like the discipline that comes with it. I know for children, especially for me, I grew up playing sports, not soccer. I can't kick anything. Um, it, but it's it's also like I want there's no telling what goes on at home. And I think that's what I thought about it, too, is that there's and I've had that where I know there are things going on at home. And I want to create a safe place for them to love the sport and to have fun and to have that camaraderie as well. And so that's what I really try to push. I mean, yes, I'm competitive, but ultimately you have to love the sport. It's a 98% mental game. And I want you to have those friends and develop and, and have that youth. And so that's kind of why I've hold on to it. My son tells me he wants to play hockey, which I don't know that I, we can afford that. Um, and I don't want to give up baseball. Like I, some of these kids have been with me for six seasons um, and I love them. I mean, I love them and um, they've got great parents and they're just, they're just fun to be around. Yeah, I think it's it's really, you know, important to be involved and not just it, being involved in your kids' lives, but the extension of that into the community is really important. And you mentioned you want to give them a safe place to come to and enjoy themselves and enjoy the sport, but you never know what somebody's going through. And maybe that baseball is their relief. It's their safe spot from home or whatever they're going through at school or home, or you just never know where one small kind act is going to make a big difference for somebody else. And, mm -hmm. you know, I used to teach Taekwondo and I loved coaching and I loved teaching. And, you know, I see the, the school from back home and I'm like, maybe I should try to find a school down here. And when I first moved down here, I checked out a couple of schools, but it just didn't feel as though they were the right fit for me. But I definitely yeah. miss being around the kids all the time. And the younger, the better, because the funnier they are. And the <laughs> yes, more some of them. They are. <laughs> <laughs> some of them, I'm not sure. They'll, you know, I've got one kid. I love him to death, but I'll say something bit. bit. And I'm like, okay, like they're just, <laughs> they cry. I don't go. I'm like, yeah. you, know, you know what, my son, he's like, oh, that's lit, mom. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's fire. I'm like, is that a yeah. good thing? Yeah, my son is if he he's like, Mom, that was trash. And I'm like, Basura? Garbage? What's trash? And I'm like, stop. Yeah, they, they do have lingos. The only thing I won't, I don't, you just don't bro me. Like the kids are just big on the bro thing. And I'm like, I'm not your bro. Um, it's yes, ma'am, no ma'am, yes, sir. Don't bro me. Don't bro me. Yeah, I, <laughs> when I got deployed, they, you know, that when you come up transition home, they Kind of talk to you about oh well you know everybody's going to want your time and things may not go smoothly and you know everybody's going to need time to readjust to new routines and having you back and uh i was not prepared for i when i left i was mommy because it gets tattooed on my arm here like and i came home and i was mom and i was like oh i'm not ready for that yeah. and then two years later it was bro I'm like, what is what is there's no amount of preparation that that was coming. Like nobody warned me. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And I've extended it and brought now that they're older, I do, if they're allowed, I mean, there's some things coming up, right. That they don't really want like a certain age for volunteering, but um, my daughter loves volunteering with me. She loves coaching with me. She loves doing a lot Aww. of that stuff. So that's something that I have extended because the baseball uh, local baseball um, organization is a nonprofit. Um, Clyde is under my feet. I was um, gonna say, is this puppy over there. 
<laughs> yeah, apparently I'm in his way. Um, is it's a it's a nonprofit as well. And so then I the different ones I work with locally, if they can come and help and be a part of like the different stuff that I do, I've definitely brought them into it and they they love it. Um, I've definitely gotten compliments before on the kids on their kindness and the respect. And, and I think a lot of that just, I mean, I want them to see what I do and my passion, but I also want to embed those types of morals and ethics into them and into what I do into the community as well. And, and I, and I love that. I think that's so, I think it's so awesome just being involved in the community and being involved with kids. It's just, I think it's one of the best things that you can do is being involved with kids and giving them, you know, being a good role model and, giving them some good skills and, you know, to put forth out and, you know, out in the community and out in the world. And um, it teaches them so many skills, like, yes, you know, balance coordination, but, you know, people skills and adjustment skills and mm -hmm. coping and, you know, competition, healthy competition. And, you yeah. know, oh, yeah, because my, yeah, my daughter went and competed in role production pageants this summer too. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. She did, which was, <laughs> That's a whole different level of competition when your kids are doing it. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine. I just can't imagine. And I, you know, Yolanda's little one, her granddaughter is in pageants and I just kind of watch and shake. I, it's so, it's such a foreign world to me because similar to you, like I just kind of grew up being a tomboy and I would rather run around and get wild and sweaty and crazy and be active in sports. And I mean, I can clean up when I have to, but right. it's just the, the dresses and the makeup and just you know a talent and this i'm like that's just a lot can i just throw my cleats on and go yeah <laughs> i did gymnastics and I, it was a, a leotard bare feet like taekwondo like t-shirt pants belt bare feet like the simplest right. better. <laughs> yeah yeah and for me too after everything that i endured last year after i had been you know with miss veteran america that kind of pushed us in the spotlight and, and i was doing podcasts and i was active in like all over social media. And then like last year I did the world production pageants and just lost my rear end. Cause I don't, didn't know what I was doing. And then like, <laughs> I think like whatever, like things that were going on just from that point on, like the whole year for me just went dark really fast. And so then this is like, this is my first time. Like I've been posting here and there and it's like taking everything for me, but this is my first time coming back on, a podcast or doing anything live or really being, I do a lot of behind the scenes, but I just don't take pictures and post it. Like I just, I think last year, just, I'm still trying to recover from just like the darkness, I guess. Well, and I think it's, you know, there's a certain amount of healing and recovery that we need to do within ourselves before we can tell our story. But at the end of the day, it really is important to tell the story because you just never, A, it, it's part of your healing process. And B, you just never know when your story is going to be the foundation for somebody else's mm -hmm. struggle and it's going to be their light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, you've kind of mentioned that you had a rough upbringing and obviously some things happened in while you were in the service that kind of, you know, piled on top of that. And if we're not dealing with things appropriately, it, it can kind of build and build and then we just kind of explode or we may just have a random trigger that we're not even aware of. And then we kind of fall off the wagon and have to, and have to rebuild. And I think that it's really important, especially for women. Uh, I think there's this um, stigma that 
we have to be good moms and good wives and good workers. And we have to put a smile on our face and be strong and not complain and not show signs of weakness. But mm -hmm. it, it's actually a sign of strength saying I'm not okay. And I need help. Yeah. And this is really important to tell the other people and especially civilians who don't understand what it is truly like to be in the military. And sometimes shit happens and it's not okay. And right. where do we go for help? And if we're asking for help, please don't, you know, give us a hard time about it. So tell us, so tell us more about your struggle and like how you got from point eight, where it started, where it got you, and then how you're kind of working your way through the darkness. Um, so I ended up having to go on like short-term disability from work in May, which was right after um, going out to Atlanta, which was that whole thing, like for role production pageants the first time was super anxiety provoking for me because in 2020, we didn't really get to do the whole pageant thing. It was all virtual, right? So this was my first time doing anything in, in public and not knowing what I was doing. And then May, um, I went out of work. June, I had an, another pretty extensive surgery on my arm from having thoracic outlet syndrome and then was out of work. I mean, I was like losing the use of my arm. I had previously done um, EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing, a very intense trauma therapy that worked well mm -hmm. for me. And part of my advocacy is, you know, my platform is, is suicide awareness. And so um, I was not aware, like you just said, it was of triggers that were causing my mental health just to be bad. Right. And, and a lot of it had to do with those in my environment. I'm good enough or the expectations and I was just constant like nothing I did was good enough and then not being supported in in my advocacy work or not being supported in what I felt was a purpose or what I did as a mom like there was just little to no support there and then the constant like I'm not good enough um and then after the things I spoke out with in 2020 um my old dad's side of the family stopped talking to me and blamed me but ultimately they're the sex offenders like I was the victim and I didn't ever like, I was still respectful about like not putting names. People don't know my maiden name a lot, you know, and like saying that out. And then they were just to hear that they didn't care what happened to me as a child. And then what they did was just like disheartening, but I lost like that whole side of the family. Um, well, it's painful. That is, that is painful it. to hear from other people that your feelings don't matter. That's extru mm -hmm. that's excruciating. Mm -hmm. or to blame the victim. Like, yeah, um, let's not do my, that either. <laughs> yeah. Blaming the victim. Um, and saying that what was done was okay when it, when it's not like it's a criminal offense for a reason. Um, and so I've always been big on making sure I checked in with my, you know, prescriber, the psychiatrist, you know, um, checking with therapy, making sure I've gone to medical appointments, but between having fibromyalgia, which is, you know, chronic and, and terminal types, I wouldn't say terminal, but chronic, um, I'll have it forever. And then just other things that factor in with that, the fatigue, um, is that my psychiatrist who we all knew was going to retire, retired, had started new medication. And then I was supposed to go back. And then here I am with no medication. And so I think that was one of the biggest things that like, it just all added up. And then I literally was cut off from the medication. And so ultimately, what happened towards the end of last year, starting in October, as I went back to work, but I kept trying to go to the VA and calling and phone calls and they're supposed to send us community care and I couldn't get in there and they're sending me back to the VA. And it was really this horrible back and forth thing with the VA. I had to contact a congresswoman's office to get help because I'm like, I'm out of the medication, but, um, and having PTSD as severe as I do, 
is, and I didn't know this at the time, but I, I completely disassociated. So um, in November, I'd gone back to work, I believe like the eighth and I was back at work for like two days after being off for like six months. Um, I remember, I remember calling in that Friday, telling my assistant supervisor who had just come from the mental health unit, like, I don't feel okay. I, I'm not okay. I'm, I'm going to take myself to the VA, not realizing it was veterans day. I remember driving down there, being in the rain. I don't even remember coming back home. I remember the cops coming out here to do a welfare check. I kept telling them like, I'm okay. I don't know why. Mind you, there was like, that's part of the disassociation, right? Like there was stuff I knew I was doing and stuff that I didn't know I was doing. So then Saturday comes around. I'm at home by myself. Um, my husband had taken the kids and gone to my in-laws house, which is not far. Um, and at, by that point I had completely like disassociated. Um, so I guess on Saturday night at some point I, and by, and I'm still out of medication, by the way, I'm out of medication. I'm telling everybody I need help that I know of, right. Or lack thereof. Like there's some things I was texting people that just has the alphabet, like random alphabet numbers. Um, on Saturday, I attempt to go to their house, which is literally a mile and a half down the road. And I apparently hit, uh, it had to be like 9 p.m. that Saturday. And I had hit a parked car. Mind you, there's cars parked on both sides. There's not exactly room to move over. But um, they had called the cops. I exchanged the information. They asked me to get out and do a sobriety test. Now, mind you, um, I don't, I didn't consume alcohol. Like part of the medications I was on. And everybody could always attest that, like, I don't consume alcohol, but they were like, you're confused, this, that. And in the body cameras, I was coherent in a sense I was talking, but I was confused. So anyways, I was ultimately arrested for a DWI. And then I got my toxicol, and I was completely cooperative. I was an adult probation officer at the time working a DWI caseload. I've been doing that for over four years. Um and, but I hadn't had any alcohol, like none. And so then all three reports said something different. One was like, she's just confused. We asked her to do this. The other one was like, she smells in, of alcohol, looks like she's been drinking alcohol. The third report was like, every officer's report was something different. And then my toxicology came back and there was no alcohol in my system. Did they make you do a breathalyzer when you got to the station or? A lot of, a lot of places in Texas don't have breathalyzers anymore. What they do is go take your blood, which I consider. Wow but you're not going to get those results for a long time. And so then, um, and I've never, I've never been in trouble before. I think I've had one, maybe two speeding tickets my whole life. Like when I say I've never been in trouble, like this was super traumatizing to me. And even on the body cams, when they asked my in-laws, my in-laws were like, she doesn't consume alcohol. Like I, there's not even alcohol in the house. And um, so I had to go through that. And on Sunday, I, when I got out of jail, which was a PR bond, I saw the magistrate, all that stuff. They separated me because of who I was. I was wearing my probation jacket. My badge was in my car and they separated me from everybody else. But it was like this just like long drawn out thing. Mind you, at this time, because I'm still without medication, I'm still dissociating. Apparently I was calling people from the jail, people that I haven't talked to and, you know, or I don't even know their phone numbers. Like, so I don't, it was, it was just really bad. So my thing is that I come home. I'm still home by myself. Um, I don't remember. Again, I was texting and, and calling people and don't remember a lot. But ultimately, it just got to that point where, like, I was not good enough all year. I failed at everything. I, you know, can't work. I can't get anybody to help me. I can't do this. And now I'm in this mental position. Um, and so I, I ultimately decided to take my life. Um, 
And for me, that's been a big thing that like I advocate against is suicide awareness and prevention um, that our lives matter. But it got so dark and so bad that I was like, if I'm this bad of a person, if my help and like everything that I do, like I'm not a good wife, I'm not a good mom, I'm not mentally stable, I can't work, I'm in pain all the time, like my kids deserve better. And my husband deserves better. And everybody deserves better because it's not fair for them to have to keep taking care of me. And at that time, nobody that was there for me. I was here at the house by myself. Um, in the midst of all these random texting and stuff, one of my coworkers at the time drove over 30 minutes away um, and then met my husband here and they broke the door down and called PD again. Um, I was detained and taken to the hospital at that time. Um, I was admitted to the hospital and then once they did everything medically, because I had um, taken 26 and a half Xanax. Um, then I was admitted to the to the psychiatric ward at the, at the county hospital um, and had to go through all of that. Um, and that's kind of about the time that I, I came back to, but I was still, at, by that point I traumatized myself. Um, and in the midst of that part, part of the policy at work is that you have to report like any law enforcement interaction, but I couldn't because I was in the psych ward. <laughs> um, and what limited communication I could have with my husband was, was, was it. Um, and so then I've, I've since been doing, I went back through, um, mental health exam, like full blown exams. I went, you know, paid out of pocket to have them done. I still have battle the VA and community care. Um, but ultimately for me being a God fearing person, um, it wasn't my time. And then it also made me take a step realize again, I, I mean, disassociating, I couldn't really think straight anyways. I mean, I was completely not in a right state of mind. Um, but there is, I have a huge support group. I have you, I have the other women, I have other people here, um, that do need me. Um, and I do know that I make a difference um, and my life is important. It's just a matter of, I feel so guilty um, for standing up for one thing. And then even though I didn't knowingly do it, I just feel so bad. And so it's kind of left me in a, a state of not being able to leave the house very well. Um, I am helping a lot on the back end with nonprofits, but it's just been, um, I haven't talked about it. This is the first time I've talked about it outside of therapy. So well, I'm really happy that you're here sharing your story and we're all here for you and the listeners. And we have a comment from Bradley Jackson. He says, I love you, my sister. Remember that. And um, I don't know if you can see the comments too, but also I'm as, as more than pop up, I will read them to you. And um, so as a healthcare you know, professional, uh, I, like it's a mess. Healthcare is a mess. I there's no other way to say it. Healthcare is kind of a clusterfuck, and that's not an excuse for what you what you went through. How long were you off the medication before? Like, are you on medication now? And how long were you off it before this incident? Um, I was on Cymbalta, and I was on it for years. And so I was. It didn't take long for me to be out of it before it caused the disassociation. Um, and I probably went 
um, probably almost two weeks because obviously coming like even in the psych ward, they did like a semi mental health exam examination, but because of like me overdosing on medication, then they didn't give me anything else. They just kept checking my blood pressure because I like, I kept, it kept dropping really bad and I didn't eat the whole time. I mean, I was terrified. I didn't eat the whole time. So, um, I went almost two weeks without it. And then my husband drove me down to the VA. We sat there until a site provider could see us and we picked medication up that day. But I told them, I was like, one of the biggest things is like, I don't, I hate that. Like in that medication, when you look up the actual like statistics and research of it, I am not on that specific medication anymore. And I am, I am on medication now, um, which instead of an SSRI, it's an SNRI. It doesn't help with pain as much as an SSRI does. Um, but I have been, and then I, then I had started what is known as DBT for dialectal behavioral therapy, which is, was initially designed for people who have, um, borderline personality disorder, which I don't have, but that, that type of therapy really helps, can help anybody in everyday life. And it really has been successful with those of us that have PTSD, um, as far as it's really changes the way that you regulate your emotions and your thought process so that it's, it's not a lot of self-blame and um, kind of like what, what sent me over the edge. Um, and just to regulate, like people are allowed to have their opinions and, or if somebody does something, that's a reflection of them and not me. Um, and so that's what my, my weeks look like now. And I'm, like I said, I am back volunteering and my husband has been a part of all of it every step of the way um, since that, which has been a huge, a huge thing um, for me, especially not having like the family support. And how did this impact your professional life? Because you were a probation, you said adult probation officer at the time, this impacted your job, right? Yeah. So um, because I was in the psych ward, um, which there's still an ongoing like investigation, so I can't like too, too much on it, but the DWI was dismissed and, and that thing is, it's finally over and done with. Um, but um, I had to hire an attorney and there, I mean, I was ultimately terminated despite that I was in the psychiatric ward and they were informed that I was in the psychiatric ward. Uh, so and I'm sure that must have been terribly frustrating. And oh, yeah. it puts additional stress on you that you didn't need um, because now you've got, now you have to find a job and you've got extra expenses because now you have attorney fees and things uh, like that. And so I'm sure this has just been, and we shouldn't, and you shouldn't have had to go through that. I mean, to begin with. And, you know, I, one of the things that I think people don't realize is, so you had some struggles when you were younger and then you had some struggles as a result of being in the service and they all just kind of build on each other. And then, so be trying to get through a day when you're dealing with stuff from a mental health perspective is exhausting for, and people don't realize how exhausting that getting through the day is. And then you've got pain issues on top of it. That's exhausting dealing with pain on a daily basis. So you just, you had a lot kind of building up inside of you and, that guilt builds like, and it's terrible. I mean, having been there myself, it's just, that's a terrible place to be. I'm not good enough. Nobody wants me. Nobody loves me. I'm a failure. Why, why stick around? It's just not right. even, mm -hmm. it's just not worth it. And, and sometimes it's, you just don't want to feel that pain anymore. And when I was younger, 
even up into like teenage and through college, I never understood why people committed suicide. I'm like, I don't understand. I never understood. And then I had four miscarriages and was suicidal myself. And I was like, oh, this is why people commit suicide because it just hurts mm -hmm. so bad and you just want it to stop. And it is the kind of the only way that you know to make it to stop. And mm -hmm. so I think it's, you know, th that is a really important, I think, message um, for people to understand. And I'm really grateful that you came on to talk about your story because I think the perspective is is so hugely important here. It's you were trying to ask for help and nobody was listening to you. And I think that just kind of built on top of it. Like, well, nobody's helping me. I'm worth, clearly I'm not worth their time and energy. So dot, 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 you know, it just yeah. kind of, it just, well, that, yeah, that, and then it was just like, she's just crazy. She's crazy. She's gaslighting you. She's manipulating you. She's this and that. And I'm like, the people who really know me know that, like, I would literally die before I hurt somebody. It's just not, it's not who I am. I will help. You could hurt me and hurt me and I'll still turn around and offer my hand out to pick you back up. And that is a bad thing not to have a barrier for red flags, but that's like who I am. So for to do that. And then, yeah, I mean, I was losing my, my job like that. I haven't gone, I went back to work, you know, briefly for a nonprofit. Um, and then I, as far as work, I mean, like I said, I do a lot of nonprofit work. And the thing is, is that the people behind, especially the two, the major foundation, of course, I'm wearing their shirt at air power foundation and then holidays and heroes, the people behind that were sure to make, they, especially air power, um, but mainly like this upcoming thing that's um, Skyball and all the money that's raised at that, this huge gala is then um, given out in grants to veteran nonprofits across the nation. So Holidays and Heroes that provides active duty and reservist Chris full Christmas for the whole family. We're doing Thanksgiving here, um, Adaptive Training Foundation. Um, ultimately, the service dog, that's how I got tied with them is that, you know, they grant funded the place that did the service dog for Coco. The original EMDR treatment I got was grant funded by them. I had no idea that they're behind funding a lot of that. And so then that's in something that multiple times they've saved my life. And, and to this day, you know, five, six years later, I'm, you know, an official ambassador for them now, but I feel like it should be the other way around because they, they are here for us veterans and family in veteran families or military families throughout the nation. Um, and they really do go above and beyond to make sure that we get what we need and take care of us in every sense in a family sense. The current chairman, Wanda Cox and her daughter, Cameron, have literally, they'll just check on me. They just always made sure I was okay and have lunch or offer dinner or anything. And then Holidays and Heroes, the same with um, Carrie is she's just, she's part of why I have Clyde. I mean, I wanted that lineage and it wasn't necessarily realistic to, to buy another full bred dog, but her and, and, and another amazing you know, woman pitched in and made, you know, he just turned two. So almost two years ago, paid for him and made that possible. And so there are a lot. Um, so as I do all this stuff behind part of my platform is the veterans resources to reduce recidivism, recidivism in all aspects, recidivism in mental health, suicide, not just the criminal justice aspect so that this doesn't turn into a cycle and that we can, we can break it. Um, and so I will be effective tonight also after this launching my fundraiser for air power foundation um and hopes my, my goal is five thousand dollars um which i think is 
minimal compared to what they give back and have done for, I mean, they haven't just changed my life and other veterans lives, but they're saving our lives. And that's, that means everything to me. So when is, when is this benefit and how can people donate? Is there a website, Facebook page? Um, so the website is airpowerfoundation.com. And then I will be launching the fundraiser on my Facebook under the Carolyn um, M. DFW Veteran Advocate. Um, and then there's also ways to donate to Air Power Foundation. Um, Skyball is actual gala and it's November 16th. Um, that is something people can buy tickets for and attend anywhere they want to you know, come in. It's held on Globe Life Field, which is the right home of the Texas Rangers, <laughs> like as a Dodgers fan. Um, but that's where it's held on November 16th. And then November 17th does the like Lockheed Martin's um, Armed Forces Bowl. And there's all kinds of, it triggers a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, they'll fly in Medal of Honor recipients, um, Gold Star families, all kinds of different. Um, Chef Irvine comes out for it. Um, Terry Fader, the ventrilo ventriloquist, is that what they're called? Like the little puppet. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be there this year. Um, there's always great, like, um, celebrity people who support it as well. That'll be there um, on November 16th. But um, as a, just a thanks to them and kind of just like a, I think they're calling it like the influencer package or whatever, but I wouldn't consider myself like an influencer. I don't really have that like level of following, but just my goal is at least $5,000 to help part of their, this year's fundraising, because that will go back to those nonprofits. Um, and they're, and they make sure that they vet those nonprofits really well so that it's going, you know, back to, to that. But that's how that will work this year. Um, so for me, getting nervous, like coming up on a year of like my suicide attempt is just my biggest focus is just to focus on the good things that we do have coming up that are going to continue to help myself and other veterans that that need it in, in any way we can. And so what are you doing on a daily basis to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and you stay moving in the right direction? Um, well, we are in baseball season, so that keeps <laughs> me going. Um, my, I mean, my kids, um, most importantly, um, looking back on that, especially because one of my friends, a little boy, actually, that I coached last season lost his mom this summer and we were the same age. And like to look back at dad who got left behind with three kids and, and she was lost to terminal brain cancer. Like it, um, my kids, um, just giving myself, like, I haven't found something specific that works for me, but like every day, um, little goals, um, so that I feel success and not having a bunch and then feel like a failure. So it's still been, and then weekly, um, doing the DBT. Um, but the baseball keeps me busy. The kids keep me busy. Uh, my task with volunteering for stuff. And then just, um, I haven't gone back into like working out and that stuff. I mean, I will walk sometimes, but let's, let me be honest for anybody who's in the South, <laughs> it was still 102 this weekend when we played baseball, I was burnt on the whole right side of my body. <laughs> Literally. I had this like weird. And so I, with fibromyalgia, I don't do well in the heat. And so that's my biggest barrier on, so I'll be honest, if I feel that it is, if I'm overwhelmed or I'm overstimulated, then I will sleep, but that's okay. Because for me, that's like, brings down my, my cortisol levels, like whatever I need, it's like, I'll sleep, but I'm still, 
productive in a sense of like, I like to clean. So I do stuff here, but I have been compensated um, for a lot of the things that I've done on the back end for these nonprofits as well. Um, just small compensations to like, you know, outside of like volunteer. Cause I really have, I'm not IT or tech savvy at all. You and I both, but I just <laughs> was able to bring them from paper to electronic in QR codes or Canva, like some different marketing things. And so that's really helped them a lot. So I received um, financial compensation recently, which helps with that, but that's kind of behind, I'm in my office, which is very zinned in, <laughs> but I need my husband to help me finish hanging some things up. And then once this is done, this is kind of like, I just need it to cool down. And I think a long story or short answer, whatever is, um, I will start like walking more once it cools down, or I just am mindful of how I feel and how to take a step back, um, not to overload my plate and stuff. And to, yes, because like the oxygen mask on an airplane, right? If the mask drops down, you put your mask on first before you help somebody yes. else. That's, <laughs> and I yes. think that it's such a huge concept for people to understand. Like I had this flash, like, oh, <laughs> that's what that, oh yeah, okay, yeah. It's not just, but it, we can apply that other places. Um, mm -hmm. But I want to share some pictures here. Uh, woo, girl. <laughs> I love that dress, by the way. Amazon. It's so pretty. I just, I, cause it's different. Like you can see like all the material, like on the side, like it's just a beautiful dress and that is a big crown. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to yes. agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love this picture. You look so pretty and so happy here. Thank you. And is this I love that. Yeah. And that's Don Graves. He is a Marine Corporal Don Graves. He is 98 years old. Oh, bless he him. is an Iwo Jima survivor. He was there when they raised the flag. That is awesome. So awesome. Love that. Uh, <laughs> loving this. I was like, oh, look, I love my girlfriend. She's on TV. <laughs> yeah. So that is um, Christy Smith. And she did um, your dream, your dress, their dream. And so one place it goes to military women, uh, first responders, you can go and it's pay it, pay whatever you want for the dress. So five bucks, you take a dress. Um, and so we launched that at WFAA. And then we did the uh, a week later, we did the dry when we had 409 dresses, I think is what she collected. That's, so. that's outstanding. I know you came out in that dress. I'm like, I have nowhere to wear it, but I may need that dress. <laughs> well, you don't want that dress. That dress came from 4510 and it was sponsored and borrowed and I had to give it back. That is an Italian <laughs> couture dress. I had a price yeah, of a little over $5,000. <laughs> little rich for my blood. And then your handsome husband, Trevor, supporter, yes. best friend, funny man. <laughs> yes. And so I received, um, I was nominated by... Uh, quite a few people, but um, Cameron McNutt from Air Power Foundation ultimately nominated me for our Congresswoman's K Grangers um, Veteran Commendation. So it's it goes to veterans who continue to serve in the community in a capacity. And so the Congresswoman was there to give that to me that day. That's fantastic. You know, and I think that's also another lesson is that when, the, you know, we get out of the military is that we still want to continue to serve. And, you know, Cliff yells at me all the time. I was like, how many more things are you going to put on your plate? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> how many? Like, <laughs> And then yeah. I complain because I'm like overwhelmed. But there's still this desire to serve. And, you know, much like you're helping your community by serving, you know, volunteering. And like, that's how you're helping yourself is help by helping others. And, you know, for me, nursing 
kind of doesn't really fit that mold for me anymore. I need to find a different way to help others and feel fulfilled and volunteering for, you know, honor flight and doing the podcast and having veterans on and helping people tell their story, getting other veterans connected to each other, to other resources. Like it's just, it's, you know, we need, we just have this innate desire within us in uniform mm-hmm. or out to serve and to help others. And there's, you know, nobody else is going to understand this is your one five minute warning, you know, yeah. <laughs> nobody else gets that right? or the cadence or what it's like to, you know, put the uniform on or be deployed and eat MREs and sleep in the field and not shower for days on end. It's just, yes, but we love it. We miss it. <laughs> <laughs> I think seeing those changes in people's lives um, is what ultimately, whether we're it's children or, you know, we're doing Thanksgiving, we're being able to provide a week of meals. Like it's just those small things that like, it just, that's everything to me. And I, I need to stay busy. That's part of our mental health is like staying busy and, um, and what feels like serves a, a purpose. It's what gives us life. It's what, like our why, right. Is, is, what is our why? And that's just, that's mine. And if will forever be, but like, like you said, once in like the oxygen mass, a friend of mine said, you have to remember if you're feeding everybody else and not feeding yourself, then you'll be empty. And so I've just been mindful of, of, of doing that. Um, But on that note, I was super terrified (laughs) to do this and to come out of my shell and say it, you know, admit publicly or discuss anything that I've gone through. So, um, and I know I had tons of offers to do it, but I just didn't feel like I was going to be comfortable with anybody else besides talking to you, Kristen. And I'm just forever grateful for your friendship and for being there during our 10 year anniversary, even though for me, it felt like a disaster. Um, and just absolutely everything that, you know, from our, our friendship and then providing me this opportunity, um, so what I feel come out of like where I've been trapped and just, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Well, you're very welcome. And we were worried to death about you and your, your, your suicide attempt happened. And then not long after that, you know, Twitch committed suicide. So there were several of us who were just really feeling like feeling and reeling and just, okay, if it happened to her, it can happen to any one of us. And there was a lot of back and forth between all of us are you okay? Are you okay? Just checking in, just making sure because we need to make sure that we're taking care uh, of each other because that support is really important. And I'm so happy and grateful that you came on and shared your story and took that first step. I mean, this is good. I have a feeling you're going to wake up tomorrow and be like, I may, you may still be in pain. I get that. Um, but I'm hoping that you're feeling lighter and better tomorrow and knowing that there are so many people in your corner and you a hundred percent have value and worth. Um, and you're, you're, you have beautiful children and a beautiful husband and you have adorable fur babies, uh, and your family, your friends, your fur babies definitely need you. And, um, I am glad that you are here to tell your story and, continue to motivate and inspire others, which is the mission of the show is to educate, motivate and inspire and don't ever give up and don't stop trying and asking and doing what it is that you need to do. Take care of yourself and thereby feeding yourself so that you can 
feed others. Yes. <laughs> so you are more than welcome to come back on and we can chat some more about any old thing. Yes. And, you know, we can check back in, um, you know, and I have a friend that I would, if you are wanting to put your story in writing, I can put you in touch with somebody who could help you write the story, could be your ghost writer, tell your story, and you could be anonymous. Um, I'd love to put you guys in touch when you're ready and you could put your story in writing and put it out there for others to read uh, as well. Oh yeah, I'm interested. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, Kara Martin, uh, amazing friend, Marine, veteran advocate and all around awesome person. Thank you for sharing your story with us uh, tonight. Thank you, Kristen. You're very welcome. And for the Dog Tag Divas signing off, reminding you to greet each day with purpose, passion, and tenacity, and be kind to each other.